Okay, well, let's look at our scripture that can be found on the inside of your bulletin. We're continuing in the book of Philippians as we go through our series, which we call The Joyful Christian. This is the Apostle Paul reading to the Philippian church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about security. I don't know about you, but peace uh, is a hard thing to come by these days. We live in a very anxious world. But as a kid, it wasn't so anxious, was it? It was more peaceful. And in trying to get back to those more peaceful days, I want to share with you some of the things that maybe helped you, certainly my kids, to become more peaceful. I don't know if you had anything akin to a security blanket when you were a child. My children did. We had a variety of different security-type animals for them. We have, uh, for, my, for my son Mark, we had the Bobos. If you look down at the bottom, those two bears. I think in the beginning they were called bears, but our son couldn't pronounce them, so they became Bobos. The Bobos were with Mark wherever he went. He would sling them across like, you know, like two bandoliers or something. And as long as he had the Bobos, everything was going to be okay. Will had Lammy, which is in the top left there, a beautiful and cuddly lamb that was always with Will, no matter where he went. Wherever they went, the animals were with them. There was one other animal, we haven't quite, it was more of an amoeba type creature, uh, not the child, but rather what he has, uh, Daniel had two blankets. Uh, we didn't have a name for them, I know they were just blankets, headless uh, animals, if you will. But Daniel loved them so much that he would suck on them a la Linus style. And they began to smell quite putrid. And so they acquired the name Stinky. And so wherever they went, wherever they went, Stinky is what we called them. We all have security blankets. I, I even had a security blanket. I brought my wife's, uh, who for 44 years of her life has been with her. This is Leo the lion, uh, who slept... Uh, alongside Liel and protecting her through the night. And I even had one as well. This is mine. This is Brutus uh, right here. He really was the, my warmth that I cuddled up to at night. You can barely see his face. It's been uh, sort of away from me touching uh, in my most distressing moments. And so Brutus was there for me. When things were difficult, uh, Brutus would stay. And now the great thing about Brutus is... You can't really throw a lammy at someone, right? It's not really going to protect you in that way. But if there is an intruder and you throw Brutus at him and you connect, it's all over. Okay, so Brutus, my personal security blanket. 
Don't call him a rock. Call him, uh, what's the word you want to call? I don't know what you call him. But uh, nonetheless, we all had security blankets, didn't we? We all have them now, don't we? Maybe they're not in the form of cute, cuddly animals, but they're security blankets nonetheless. They're instruments, things, maybe even people that we hold on to to find peace. We need them because life is anxious. But Paul says to us that there is another security blanket, one that is not as fallible or gets old or worn out as one of these blankets. Rather, there is a security that comes in being resting and trusting in Jesus Christ. That there is a peace that transcends all understanding that can be ours in Christ Jesus. We've been going through the series on the joyful Christian. That one can be a Christian and experience joy. In fact, we were meant to do so. But a lot of that has to do with how we think. Remember in chapter 1 to have a single mind. To put Christ above all. Number two, to have a submissive mind. To submit to those around you. Number three, to have a spiritual mind. Where you fix your eyes and thoughts on things above. And finally, chapter four, to have a secure mind. And so a secure mind is a hallmark of joyful Christianity. Imagine what your life would look like if you lived the secure life. If you walked throughout your anxious life, the challenges of the day, and you were able to have peace. You were able to react to situations and people in perfect peace and harmony. That is a hallmark of joy, and that is what God has for you and me. It's something that we must think about and take. So how does Paul say that we do that? Paul's premise in this, uh, in this passage is simply this, that your security is only as great as the one who secures you. And since we have received ultimate security, we can live in love without fear and anxiety. To experience the security, we have to do three things. Number one, we have to recognize who it is that secures you. And then number two, we have to request and receive from Him who secures us. And then finally, number three, we have to respond to Him who secures you. So recognize who secures you, request and receive from Him who secures you, and respond to Him who secures you. Well, let's look at this first part. We have to recognize who secures us. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Remember, Paul was just talking about two women in the church, Yodia and Syntyche, about them agreeing with one another, about them setting aside their particular interests or priorities. He's talking about relationships. In chapter 3, he's talking about how God is going to change us. How he's going to transform us. And so strangely, he diverts from this conversation about Yodia and Syntyche and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. He says it twice for emphasis. Indeed, in the Greek, it's actually a command. God commanding us to rejoice in the Lord always. He's not saying to be happy, is he? But he's saying to take your joy, to rejoice in the Lord, always. Now, if God gives us a command, 
obviously he must provide us with the capacity, the ability to fulfill it. So how are we to rejoice in the Lord again? Paul continues on, verse 5, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. This word reasonableness uh, could more adequately or accurately be translated kindness, gentleness, softness, even patience. Let your patience and kindness be known to everyone. That this joy that you have should translate into how you relate to other people. And notice it says to everyone. It's not just talking about people within the church home that are all around you as such right here. But he's talking to everyone. Believer, non-believer, Jewish, Gentile, Muslim. Let your gentleness or your patience be known to everyone. Now keep in mind in this particular time, the Philippians were being pressured and discriminated against by their outside community. They had lost jobs. They had lost income. They might have lost their house. They might have folks who were enemies of them, who were looking for their downfall. And yet Paul, after saying rejoice, rejoice, says, let your kindness be evident to all. These people would be angry. And yet this is what God says. Indeed, he even commands it. A second command. Rejoice in the Lord and be patient and kind to everyone. Why, Paul? He gives the answer. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now in one sense, the Lord is always near, right? Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. But Paul's talking about even more than simple nearness. He's not simply making a platitude. What he's saying is that there is a new nearness. The word he uses, engus, is at hand. The hand is close. He's near to you. You can reach out and you can touch. His presence is near, Philippians. He's watching you. He's with you. So rejoice because he's near you. Love people because he's right next to you. You can experience a different reality. Remember Jesus saying, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. In a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Paul is saying rejoice, because in you is the God of the universe. He's nearer to you than anyone could ever be. His presence is near you. It should affect everything about your life. There's this new, new reality. Not only His presence is near, but His kingdom. Remember Jesus' message? Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Angus again. But in the perfect tense in Greek, that means it's come and it's here to stay. So rejoice. Jesus, remember, before he went up to heaven, said, all authority has been given to me. And so the, Jesus is, uh, Paul is saying, rejoice, because the Lord is near. His kingdom is near. He's here. There's a new reality, Philippians. Everything has changed. So you have a new security. And as such, 
It can change the way you feel about life. It can change the way that you navigate through your relationships. Not with anxiety and fear, but with peace and love. Paul is saying, you must recognize this. You must remind this Philippian church because you have forgotten. You know, it's easy to forget that which we have. I recently got an alarm system for our house. Some of you know some of the challenges that we've had. And so we uh, decided to go ahead and get an alarm system with ADT. And we go ahead and put that in and this is a really cool system, okay? I'm going to show you my home on my, uh, on my iPad here. Every single one of these blips here represents an entryway into my house. Every window, every door, everything is covered by sensors. If anything trips, if any of these things are open, I instantly get a message. This is, but here's what's interesting. I'm so used to not having a security system that we're not using it. We leave the door, we go, oh shoot, don't we have security? What do we go to? See, we're used to navigating without security. And so even though I have all of this technology, even though I have every single region, every single crack and crevice of my house covered, it makes no difference if I don't realize that it's there. And so what Paul is saying is, you have a new security system. The Lord is near to you. Not just his presence, but his favor and his power. What's your security system? What is it you use to protect and guard you? Maybe it's your bank account. Maybe it's the position that you've gained, the eminence in the community. Maybe it's none of those things. Maybe you have insulated yourself. You've been invaded so many times that you've retreated into the deep, deep inside of your house where you don't let people close and you've withdrawn deep into yourself. You've walled yourself off. See, all of these things, all of these securities, aside from the Lord, are not really liberating. They're actually prisons, not liberators. You're not really living. You're not really loving because you have put your peace, your security in things that cannot secure you. And so you, much like this church, must recognize that you live in a different reality. He is present. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so look to him, not to others. When you're scared, and you're lonely, and you're anxious, and you're desperate, look to his presence. You are near me. Show me. Look to his kingdom. The new possession you have, the new position, the new inheritance you have, the new value. And rejoice in Him because your salvation draws near. Recognize and you will rejoice and you will love and be kind because your security is only as great as the one who secures you. And because you and I have received ultimate security, we can live in love without fear or anxiety. Well, we must recognize uh, the one who secures us. We must also request and receive from the one who secures us. This is my second point. How you respond 
shows how much you recognize. How you respond shows how much you recognize. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything in verse 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This word anxious in the Greek is merizo. And it literally means to be pulled in every direction. You're being pulled this way, this way, this way, this way, simultaneously. You're frozen because everything is pulling on you. But Paul says, don't be anxious. Another command, not a suggestion. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything? I mean, are we supposed to just simply live a carefree, nonchalant, throw everything to the wind life? No, Paul's not saying that. Carefulness is a Christian virtue, but worry is a sin. Do not be anxious about anything, but here comes the alternative, the antidote, but in everything. Thank goodness he didn't just say, do not be anxious about anything, period. Good luck with that. I've tried that one. It doesn't work. Do not be anxious about anything, but... See, what he's saying is the anxiety that you have, it's not wrong in itself, it's what you do with it. You have a time bomb that's ticking and you have to put it somewhere. And so he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, notice not anything, but in everything, by means of prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. In everything by means of prayer and petition. What do these words prayer and petition mean? Their first petition, or the second, is we understand this word. If you were to go before a king and you were to ask for something, or redress of grievances, you would petition the king. You would make an ask. But prayer is different. Prayer is a communication. It's not just asking. It's also asking for reassurance. It's communicating. It's coming near not simply asking. And so all forms of petitions are prayers. But not every type of prayer is a petition. Prayer also is always used in a sacred type of sense. Very formal sense. But petition deals with anything. See, God is saying, not only do you have prayer and petition for the godly and saintly and holy and important things, but the little and simple and normal and frequent things. It's anything. See, some of us say, oh, God's too busy. He doesn't have time for this piddly request. I'll only bring him the things when I really need him. He's too busy saving the world. God is big enough to save the world and to take care of you. Because he commands you, son, daughter, come to me and make your requests known. With thanksgiving. This word, does it mean that we always thank? The word thanksgiving, eucharistos, means to offer, to speak well, or to offer graciously. Here's an example of a prayer with thanksgiving. Our Father in heaven. Notice exaltation. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Is he thanksgiving? Yes, he is. Eucharisto. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now he moves to supplication 
after his thanksgiving. Give us this day, Father, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see how it works? How offering graciously to God our praise and our thanksgiving encourages us because we realize who he is. And so Paul says, let your request be known. And the peace of God, verse 7, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word peace, shalom. It's not a peace from circumstances. It's not a peace from these securities. It's the peace of God. And it surpasses all understanding. It's better than an uneasy peace. Or a truce even. It's a deeper peace. A lasting peace. It surpasses all understanding. We can't fully fathom it. Because it comes from God. And this peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This word guard is to garrison. Or to set a garrison. Many of us when we think of the word garrison. We think of the word troops. But a garrison is not troops. A garrison is the location where the troops reside. And whatever troops are there is the garrison of troops. The troops who are garrisoned there. So for instance, Fort Bragg, which has 43,000 soldiers. Fort Bragg is the garrison with all of the soldiers that are assigned to it. And so the scriptures are saying the peace of God will garrison around you. He'll bring this fort. He'll put you in the middle of it. He'll surround you with his soldiers. He won't just come meet you where you're at. He'll bring you to where he's at. And it will guard your hearts and your minds. Because they do have to be guarded, don't they? They're defenseless in so many ways. Things can break through. And they will be guarded in Christ Jesus. Christ is the garrison. And he longs for us to come and be garrisoned by him. You know, I have this great system here of the ADT system. One of the challenges is recognizing that I have it. And now that I recognize that I have it, it doesn't mean anything if I don't arm it. Right? What a great system. It's not armed, it's a piece of plastic. And so using my newfound and newfangled technology, I will go ahead and arm it right now. Arm away. If Lee Ellen's at home, she's in trouble. Arming, arming. It's armed. If anybody walks through, the police will be called, the sirens will go off. I've not only recognized it, I've requested of it. I want to receive of it. And it has responded. See, we're going to have anxiety. We're going to have anxiety. It's not a question of if, it's a question of where you place it. You can try to escape it. You can try to forget it. Or you can place it. And so here's what you have to do. Number one, acknowledge it. Acknowledge that I'm anxious. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's this age of anxiety. Maybe it's just your temperament. 
I'm just an anxious person. I don't know why I am, but I am. Be honest with yourself and recognize your powerlessness to guard yourself from anxiety. Acknowledge it, but then present it. God, I need you to disarm this and to arm me with your peace. And so through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I will present my requests. Maybe they're specific requests about something going on in their life. Maybe it's just being in his presence and needing his reassurance as a son in his father's lap. We must acknowledge it. We must place it and then we must leave it. They were meant to be taken to God to disarm it and to give his peace. So often I go to God and I grab it. I, pr I leave it and then I grab it on my way out. God says I'm strong enough. Leave it with me. Because our security is as great as the one who secures us. The God of the universe who purchased us through the blood of Christ. Recognize your security but request of it and receive of it. This brings me to my final point which is to realign your life around him who secures you. See this frees us up if we do this that our life is not dominated by anxiety. It's dominated by grace. And our bandwidth is freed up to set our mind not on anxious things, not on things of the world, but on godly things. Philippians 4.8, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, you get it with all of these words, don't you? Think about these things. When I'm concentrating, when I'm thinking about something, is it true? Or is it a lie that I'm buying? Is it honorable? That word honorable literally means majestic or awe-inspiring. Am I thinking on awe-inspiring things? Am I thinking on lovely things that are beautiful? Commendable things. Commendable meaning spoken in a kingly spirit and with goodwill. Excellent things. Am I thinking of things that are worthy of praise? See, remember, we're talking about the joyful Christian. And it is an attitude, it is a focus of our mind. Think about these things. Another command. Your thoughts matter. This is a great message. I've shown you to recognize the security you have. I've shown you to request and receive. But if we continue to jump into the things that we do, it's like continuing to dive into the hot pot once we ask God to turn the heat down. I don't even know if that really made sense. Nonetheless, whatever. My point is this, that we have a part to play. And God, as he's saying, fix your mind on things above. Fix your mind on the things that are good below. If you constantly are reading lies, if your diet of media is constantly reading of lies, if it's constantly bringing you down, if it's not bringing beauty into your life, but it's bringing hate and these other things, what about your crowd? If you're constantly hanging about, around a crowd that is going in the exact opposite direction, 
that is not enabling you to think about these things, but actually the exact opposite. Does it not make sense that you will feel anxiety? That God's peace will go further and further as you're living a life of hypocrisy? God says, I've given you everything you need. Come to me. So be selective with what you see, with what you hear. Is it true? Is it awe-inspiring? When was the last time you went to just see the ocean? You went to Seashore State Park. When you put on some music that's stood the test of time for five centuries. When you've gone and sought out beautiful art or seen the complexity of a leaf through a microscope. Do you have any heroes that you read about? Men or women that you look up to? What is it? You must choose. What's your diet? You have to alter it. You have to have the courage. In fact, right now, think to yourself, what's one thing that I need to change in my life based on what I've just heard? My guess is one thing came to mind for all of us. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So in conclusion, God gives us promises, but he also gives us commands. Do you want the peace of God? It's promised. God's desire is for us to experience the joy of his peace. Your security is only as great as the one who secures you. And there is no greater security than the Lord of the universe. And since you and I have received ultimate security, let us lean on Christ with our hearts and our minds and our wills. For he surely gives us the power to live and love without fear or anxiety. May this be your desire and quest in your Christian life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that this peace is offered to us. So many have no peace because they don't know their creator. Lord, you have come near to us and through the broken body of Jesus Christ, the blood that was poured out and spilled, through his resurrection and giving us the spirit, you have surrounded us with your salvation, with your presence and with your kingdom. Lord, help us to recognize that you are near. Let it permeate our thoughts as we go around our day-to-day -day business with people, with ourselves. Lord, but let us do more than recognize. Let us request let us ask, let us turn and fix our thoughts to you in the most trivial of matters and in the most important. And Lord, in keeping with what you plan to and promise to do, let us fix our thoughts on the beautiful things, the things that you created, the things that magnify you so that we can remember who you are and what you promised for us today. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ.